Welcome to the KPMG Financial Reporting Podcast Series, delivering fresh insights and perspectives around major accounting and financial reporting developments across a range of timely topics. We thank you for joining today. Hello, I'm John Barbagallo, a Managing Director at KPMG, and welcome to another installment in our podcast series for the new Inflation Reduction and CHIPS Act. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of discussing in more detail the new excise tax on share repurchases with two of my colleagues from KPMG, Ashby Corum, a partner with Washington National Tax, and Matt Drucker, a partner in our Department of Professional Practice. Ashby and Matt have been closely monitoring this tax legislation. And I want to thank them for joining us today. So Ashby, just to level set, start out by giving us a brief overview of the excise tax and who it applies to. Thanks, John. The tax we're talking about is a brand new tax, and it's an excise tax on repurchases of corporate stock. The tax has a 1% rate, and so it's assessed at 1% of share repurchases by domestic companies whose stock is traded on an established securities market. Now, the amount is offset by the fair value of share issuances, making it based really on the excess of the fair value of share repurchases over the fair value of share issuances. It's an annual tax, so it's only going to consider and really net those repurchases and issuances during the same taxable year. Well, thanks, Ashby. So we have share repurchases and we have share issuances, and those two terms could be interpreted pretty broadly. So tell us what you think are included in those categories. So it appears that most redemptions of instruments classified as stock for federal income tax purposes. So it's really going to look at how the tax code classifies an instrument rather than say it's financial accounting classification. It really appears any kind of redemption or issuance of something classified as stock for federal income taxes are within the scope of the new law. However, Treasury does have quite broad authority to determine if there's certain particular instruments that should not be within the scope of the law. So we'll have to see over time what kind of guidance we get on that area. Some initial reactions are that things such as a scheduled redemption of preferred shares might be within the scope of the tax and tax would be owed on such amount as a repurchase. The good news is that the statute seems clear that share-based payment issuances would count as issuances, as well as regular common stock issuances to the public. Yeah, that's interesting, Ashley. Sounds like there's more to come on that one, so thank you. So, Matt, let's turn to you for a minute. So, before we get into the question of accounting for the excise tax, right, we should probably ask the question, is the new excise tax an income tax? Sure, John. Under ASC 740, in order for a tax to be considered an income tax, it needs to be based on some measure of profit. And this tax is really just solely based on the amount of the stock that is repurchased. So whatever that fair value is, times the 1%. And that's not a profit uh, metric. So therefore, this excise tax will not be in the scope of ASC 740. Okay, so since it's not an income tax, and not in the scope of topic 740, well, then how do we account for it? Well, if you think about repurchases of stock and the tax associated with that, a lot of people have come to the view that that cost is directly attributable and associated with 
the repurchase of that stock. And we believe that that is a reasonable conclusion as well. And if you conclude that, then the geography of the tax would have followed the associated equity transaction. So for example, if you repurchased a regular equity classified common stock and put that into treasury, the direct cost of the 1% tax would also offset equity. A couple things to be careful of is that, as Ashby mentioned earlier, this tax is likely going to be applied very broadly and covers many different types of stock, including preferred stocks. And there are some stocks that under the accounting literature are classified as liability. Those are usually mandatorily redeemable preferred stock. And under the accounting literature, when you repurchase those preferred stock or redeem those preferred stock, that's considered an accounting extinguishment and any gain or loss is recorded in the income statement. And therefore, the associated tax associated with that is also recorded in the income statement. So the excise tax would go in the income statement as part of the gain or loss on extinguishment. One additional thing to add is that for redeemable stocks, that are classified in temporary equity under the SEC's guidance, that stock is adjusted when it's repurchased and any gain or loss is reported as a part of the EPS computation. So any excise tax associated with that would affect the EPS computation as well. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Very, very helpful. Uh, so I have a question for you. What happens when there's a stock repurchase and later on in the same tax year, there's a stock issuance? That's a good question, John. So if a company repurchases preferred stock earlier in the year, they're going to have a 1% tax that's going to be recorded based on the fair value of the stock that has been repurchased. But later on in the same year, if the company issues stock, that 1% tax that was recorded on the repurchase is going to be reduced based on the fair value of the stock issued. And we believe the most appropriate accounting would be to backwards trace that reduction to the same line as the earlier stock repurchase. So if you repurchase common stock and put it into treasury, you would reduce that excise tax on the treasury stock repurchase line item. You would never go below zero though. You're never going to get ahead of a, of a repurchase transaction. And in certain situations, there may be multiple repurchases throughout the year. And in that case, we believe a company needs to come up with a systematic and rational approach for allocating the backwards trace. And there are a couple ways a company may consider. Maybe that's on a pro rata basis based on the fair value of the repurchases. Maybe it's on a FIFO basis. And there may be other acceptable policies that are systematic and rational. What's important if a company does do that, they should disclose that policy if it is material. Got it, Matt, thank you. So scenario here, what happens if the reverse occurs? So for instance, say a company issues stock at the beginning of the year, and later on that year, does a stock repurchase, do you get to book some sort of asset for the amount that you expect to get back in the excise tax? Yeah, that's interesting. So in general, you would always record these transactions in the period that they occur, including the excise tax. But there is an exception. There is no asset to be booked on anticipation that you are going to have a repurchase in a future period. That is, you do not forecast that you might have a repurchase later on in the year. If you did have a repurchase later on in the year, you would just reduce the amount of tax recorded on that repurchase at that time. Thanks, Matt, really appreciate it. 
Matt Nashby, thanks for joining us today, and I appreciate you walking us through the new excise tax on stock repurchases. I look forward to discussing more of the tax and accounting implications of the IRA and CHIPS Act with some of our other KPMG colleagues in future episodes. Thanks again, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this KPMG Financial Reporting Podcast. For more in-depth financial reporting developments, analysis, and podcast episodes, please visit frv.kpmg.us and be sure to subscribe today. Also, we are social. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at KPMG Financial Reporting View or with hashtag KPMG FRV.